1: Welcome to Beer Me Radio. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Typically recording live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. This summer, however, we are doing Beer Me on the Road. This is where I will go on location to different breweries or different beer locations uh, to interview the same great mix of people that you all are used to listening to. uh, Brewers, importers, educators. This way, we get to look at the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're a seasoned professional or new to beer, we will have something for you. So today I am at one of my favorite breweries, uh, Fairwinds, in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, with Chris Bannock. He has been on the show a couple times before. He is landed here as sales and operations manager. And I'm also here with Charlie Butner from Fairwinds, but the uh, brewmaster uh, and CEO. CEO of the brewery. So thank you both so much for taking time. I know it's crazy Today you've got a line of people already picking up growlers out the door. You just opened a couple moments ago, so I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thanks for coming out. We're, um, yeah, very busy. It's Fourth of July weekend, four-day weekend, lots of drinking to be done, (laughs) lots of barbecuing and drinking. Thank God for canned beer, and uh, thank God that it's cold, right?
1: Yeah. And speaking of canned beer, so, you know, we had scheduled to have you out at the studio, but you had a canning line coming in, and so fast forward many months from that. How has that been working out?
2: It's going great. Um, we're canning quite a bit. Uh, you know, we're doing um, our, our standard runs of our Hallingale IPA, our Keyside Kolsch, and our Sirens Lure Saison, and then throwing in on top of that every week. We're, we're doing a, um, a, a, a taproom-only beer. Um, next week, we're doing a collaboration beer, uh, canning that, our collaboration with Crooked Run for their anniversary party coming up. And um, then we're going to get into our sessions in the abyss, uh, which is a fan favorite around here in the tap room, and everybody's super stoked to get that beer here in the tap room, and no one else can get it outside of the tap room, and that's what our regulars really enjoy about uh, picking that stuff up. We did our blood orange saison this year. We named that uh, the Broseidon, and uh, the beer that we did we canned after that was our Pohick Bay Pilsner, which is available right now uh, as of July third. Oh.
1: All right, well, congratulations. Thanks, thanks.
0: <laughs> Canning's been fun.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, in the sales perspective, I mean, it's it's having the canning line versus having to rely on mobile canners is night and day difference. We can can 100 some day and can another 100 the next day. We can basically be way more... On you know on the fly kind of thing when we're trying to fulfill orders for markets and and try to do cool things like now doing commemorative releases which Poseidon which was the blower and saison was the first one we did and that was three weeks ago it sold out in five days you know we did a 50, 50 case run two per two six pack per limit run and sold out in five days. I mean, this is driving more business towards the tap room, and also giving our regulars something more than, oh, I guess I'm gonna buy my Gale again or my Colch again, which is great and they do that and they, they buy a ton of it, but I think it's a cool little option for people to be able to take with them drink by the pool and out of a can versus having to get a growler or just drink it here. Yeah.
1: And for those of you <clears throat> who haven't had the, the pleasure or the privilege, Howling Gale IPA is your, you know, kind of lead dog. dog, um, Great IPA, Um, and then you have this Kolsch that is like, you know, catnip for me personally. The
2: Crispy Boy. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's uh, Kolsch is something that I've been brewing at. uh, This this would be my third brewery, brewing the style, and um, I think I've got it dialed in. And it's uh, it's the it's it's definitely a staff beer for days like today when you're. When we're brewing, and the brewery's at a hundred plus degrees, the brew deck is uh, hundred and twenty plus degrees. Um, nothing better than a crisp, clean Kolsch to finish the uh, the day with. There um, to the tap room offerings too. You know, in a sales and marketing aspect, uh, we picked up Giant uh, Foods, uh, all their grocery stores, and they have uh, five can placements for us. So having these taproom offerings takes a lot of load off of our flagship beers and our seasonal stuff that we offer in the market, so we can actually save more of that for all of our giant and Safeway placements, which is huge for us right now.
1: So I want to talk to you back up a little bit. Um, we haven't delved into the show about the canning decision. You know, what does it look like to do mobile canning? What does that entail?
2: Mobile canning, um, you know, you're, you're reaching out to... A monopoly right now which is which is Ironheart they uh, they bought out pretty much everybody we started our canning operation with River City um, out of DC Maryland area there was also a mobile canner um, Dominion old Dominion canning out of Richmond um, but Ironheart has bought up all those guys and so essentially how you how you do things is you you know you schedule weeks and weeks out to try and get on their their radar and they come in in the morning and set up their stuff and start canning away and once you get the volume that you need, then they pack up their stuff and leave. So it makes the day very long when you're when you're trying to get, you know, eight hundred cases, you've got to wait for them to set up and then you have to wait for them to take down as well. And then you're at the mercy of their schedule. Let's say the canning line isn't operating too well that day you're screwed you don't get the volumes that you need and then it's like hey i need you to come back tomorrow to get this taken care of but they're already scheduled for another another uh, brewery and they'll come back and get to you when you can it's a great way to get started um but when you build a demand like we did um the only logical thing was to to bring in our own canning line we looked at bringing in more tanks we looked at doing a new chiller we looked at doing all kinds of other options to to expand our production and I said you know the biggest setback for us is we can't get the tanks empty fast enough and if we had a canning line here so we could can when the beer is ready and not have to wait for somebody's schedule then we would be able to get these tanks empty a lot quicker and lo and behold having the canning line here we are moving things out much quicker
1: so as like a return on investment i mean is it a quick thing to kind of pay off it's already kind of paid yeah for itself.
2: it's done it's taken care of oh wow yeah <laughs> congratulations
1: yeah That's thank
2: amazing. you yeah it's uh it it has been more than taken care of and um it was uh hindsight being 2020 yes i wish we'd coughed up the dollars early on to to put that canning line together and, and have that piece of equipment in um but Using the mobile canners really got uh, got our got us out there into distribution, and it was um, it was a great learning experience because you're using somebody else's equipment and their knowledge to help educate. You know, this is how fast things will move. This is what you're looking for. These are how you um, measure things and, and make sure that the cans that you're sending out into market are are up to spec. And um, so it's a great learning tool. Uh, but man, if we had that thing earlier on, we. Yeah,
1: Yeah.
2: I, I, you know, again, hindsight being 2020, I, I wish we had it earlier, but didn't. And now we're we're seeing what uh, all the benefits of having one, you know, everything that's coming through from that is it's been awesome. And like I said, it's paid off. So <laughs> in a very short time, yeah mobile
0: canning is very interesting. I think it is something that is necessary. But I just had this conversation <clears throat> earlier this week with three or four other reps for breweries. And the, the question I posed was, is mobile canning? more helpful or hurtful to the beer industry as a whole. So there's these breweries that are able to basically can right off the rip. They can pay the fee, they can come in, they can do a 100 or 200 case run on beer, right? However, there's so many breweries that are doing this and there's so many breweries that don't have their recipes honed in yet. So my my theory was overall mobile canning, albeit necessary, actually hurts consumers because there are breweries putting out beer that is just not ready. It's It's breweries that in years past would have had to brew batch after batch and and fine tune it and then eventually get enough money to buy a canning line themselves and that's just not the case anymore so there's there's just more uh, beer that is not a a finalized finished product that's getting in the market these breweries are opening up they're you know they're at production levels that they don't have a choice but to put beer in distribution and doing a mobile canning run Kind of takes off the 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 weight of just having to sell kegs, right? So they can sell some of the packaged beer, whether it be 20%, 30%, or even higher. So you're not having all these kegs that might go out of code, but you're also putting beer out there that might not be a product that you're 100% ready to put out in front of the public. Besides, maybe your tasting room where you can get feedback one on one. Like somebody walks up and he's like, "This is a great beer that I love, and here's why." Or he walks up like, "This is not a good beer, and here's why." Like they and people can be brutal about that. So I just think. Yes, it's necessary, and yes, that lets breweries get their beer out more often. However, I think overall it's actually hurt a little bit by putting out more unfinished product in, into the market where it's an already oversaturated market and it keeps it keeps some consumers guessing. They're like, "Well, it's a new brewery. I can't necessarily get out to X City because it's an hour away, but I've heard about them. I'll buy it. Maybe that is just not a, fin- a product that is should be finished and leaving the tap room and then it's out there and then they're like, "Wow. Maybe I won't make that trek out there to buy to go to this person's place and, and patronize
2: this brewery because the beer's is just not good enough. And yeah, I so sounds like a damned if you do, damned if you don't marketing tool. And you you know it's you need it for the exposure, but if you're not ready for it, you know that's that's a difficult thing. Yeah, it's a difficult absolutely. thing to be putting something out, and you're just like, oh, I've got to do it right. Well, maybe you needed to wait and get the right product for you, but um, no, I'd say. That's an interesting perspective. I never really looked at it that way. And then, you know, obviously having the canning line here and being four and a half years into our operation, um, we've got everything dialed in. Yeah, so not being, yeah, right. But not being able to look back and go, okay, yeah, you know, it's an interesting perspective. When we got into the mobile canning game, um, I thought we, I, I, I felt like we were dialed in, but we've definitely made some tweaks along the way. Four and a half years is not that old um however in the <laughs> local brewing game it <laughs> kind of is, is it is
1: real you. now you you don't have a bottling line correct
2: no no correct. we do not and
1: you never did you never, did you never we do,
2: it? we no no um we never considered bottling uh we we do have a single head bottle filler that we do bombers for our select uh barrel aged stuff but um other than that, no, bottling was never um, a consideration. We wanted to do cans from the get-go. That was always what we wanted to go after. The nice thing about canning is it's it's um, you can take it more places, uh, parks, pools. More people are accepting of it than they are of having glass. The flip side of that is when I order cans for our lithograph cans, um, I have to order a tractor trailer full of those. So 25 pallets are coming in of that at Uh, one time. Um, Versus with bottles, you know, bring in as many bottles as you can house in your place, and then you just swap out the sticker for whatever beer you're bottling that day. Um, So there's there's the... You can have bottles, and it's easy to change out whatever you want to package, or you can have the cans, which... Goes more places, but you have to buy a tractor trailer load of whatever cans you need. So when we get low on Howling Gale, and a tractor trailer full of Howling Gale is not a problem to go through. But yeah, we get to a point where we're like, we need 25 pallets of Howling. Well, we need more Howling Gale. Okay, how much? Because we have to really get down to the nitty. We have to really exhaust the whole thing. Because when we bring in more, it's not like we're just bringing in a few pallets to backfill what we need. We have to bring in a whole ton of of uh, a tractor trailer full of cans. So that's that that's an interesting game that we have to a logistics game that we have to play in the in the brewery where it's we're getting close, we're getting close. Okay, get closer, get closer, get closer, but don't run out. <laughs> and then bring in that tractor trailer load, and then it's a day of stacking all that stuff into the loading docks and the storage areas. So it's it's an yeah. interesting operation. Okay,
1: yeah, that's a lot. And how? I mean, do you guys have? Do you guys do crawlers at
2: all? We don't do crawlers. No, okay. um, cans, uh, the bombers, um, and we're we're all about twelve ounce cans. We're um, we have the ability to do sixteen ounce cans, um, but we're we run twelve ounce so much. We're confident with it. Our dissolved oxygen levels are. Non existent are um,
1: and for listeners I, maybe not familiar, can you clarify? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that?
2: yeah. So, so as we're packaging, you know, and we we like to package in 12 ounce cans, um, a because we like to have six beers <laughs> when we're at 72 ounces versus what is it, 64. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> we we like more <laughs> beer, um, but uh, when we're canning our 12 ounces, we're, we've got a great system of our, our fill system is set up so that we can monitor. The um, oxygen getting into the cans that uh, can can tamper with the quality of the of the product, and we um, we have a very low dissolved oxygen count in our cans in all of our products. Overall, we're very very low, a lot lower than I would have ever dreamed us being. Um, but getting oxygen into beer um, when it, once it's packaged is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you taste some. Um, paper, cardboard type uh, aspects of a beer that's, you know, you've got an oxygenated or oxidized beer, I should say. Um, And with our 12 ounce packaging, we find that we stay very low there. It's not that we're afraid of doing the 16 ounce, but I think that the 12 ounce we're very confident in and we're getting great product and we're getting six... 12-ounce cans that come up to 72 ounces versus four 16-ounce cans at 64. Give us more beer.
1: Give us more beer. Um, For those of you just tuning in, this is Beer Me Radio on the road at Fairwinds Brewing Company in Alexandria, Virginia. I'm chatting with Chris Bannock. He's the sales and operations manager as well as Charlie Butner. He's the brewmaster and CEO. Now, I'm going to change course here. We'll leave the can topic. Um, And I want to talk about your beer, what goes into the cans. Um, And it's something that I really love about your beer, that in the world of, you know, the hip and the cool beer right now is hazy, 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 fruited, fruited, fruited. The majority of your beer, I mean, aside from some one-offs or, you know, things that you're having fun with, your beer is sparkling crystal clear, (laughs) which I love. But can you talk about why that's significant?
2: This is um, this is where I become old brewer Charlie. <laughs> I come from a, a, an era when um, clear beer was was a cool thing. Um, I, um, it, you know, hazy is appealing now, um, mm-hmm. but as sorry, I
1: just oh yeah, <laughs> you're thirsty. Yeah, I'm thirsty. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Um, hazy is, a, is an appealing thing now where, you know, people see a, a, a hazy beer and they go, that's got to be juicy and, um, and robust. And uh, where I sort of come from was you're drinking with your eyes at first. And, and if you can look at a beer that's, that's crystal clear and you can see the bubbles coming up, I think it's, you know, it's more of a, a macro appeal. You know, more drinkers drink Macro beers, Budweiser, and and Corona, and and Miller, and Coors, and all those great macro breweries. Um And you see that, and, and you go, okay, I associate with that. And so, with us taking our time um, to condition the beer and clarify the beer, it just it it to me it shows that we're taking the extra steps to make um, a, a a quality product. And when I take a look at that crystal clear Kolsch and Pilsner and, dare I say, our West Coast IPA. How, how could Howling Gale be clear? Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that I, I look at and I go, man, we did a hell of a job. And it looks great, smells great, tastes great. You're fulfilling as many senses as you can. and I mean, if you want to pour it in your ear and see if it sounds great, too, then rock and roll there. But, you know, we start to get into all those things that, that um, were what drew us to beer in the first place and and clarity was one of those things and i think that i think that every brewer could say that their first beer wasn't a hazy ipa and they had a chance to look at their natty light or their beast and go man you know this, this stuff tastes like water but it's getting the job done and it's clear and fizzy and and we're gonna party all night with it so i think that you know you get back to your roots it's um it's what we drank to get into, into beer in general, and then we can evolve, and we can get into hazy things, and we can barrel-age things, and we can fruit things. And uh, But I think that that first initial, man, that is a crisp, clean-looking Pilsner or Kolsch or IPA, um, man, that's, that looks appealing. Let's get after it. Let's get after it.
1: And for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the brewing process, what are some things that you have to do that extra effort to keep it clear?
2: So we do, for us, we use a synthetic fining agent, which is like a liquid silica gel um, that helps to, uh, you know, jumps into, we dose it into the tank and it, um, it finds the yeast and the proteins and the particulate that's in there and grabs hold of it and gravity takes effect and it pulls it out of solution once that takes place then it's just a nice it's time it's time we use yeah. a, an extra you know two weeks 10 days or so for our ales to to really get cleared up um and then for our lagers you know that's an extra two or three weeks that we because the yeast in that solution is very dusty and it's very hard for that to to come out but you know if you're putting out dusty lager for me i feel like that's you know you're you're not following the 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 true tradition of brewing those beers and yeah it's a pain in the ass it's going to take you an extra three weeks and you're staring at a tank full of beer that's like that's money sitting there but do it right people such as yourself will come in and go you make clean clear crisp beer that's freaking awesome and i appreciate that so like you know you hear that and you're like we're doing the right thing
1: (laughs) Okay, well, I'm not. I'm not the be all end
2: all judge, right? You know? like, <laughs> but we have people that come out, come in with that, with that similar opinion, and when we hear that, we go rock and roll. We're, we're doing it right. We're doing it right.
1: Now, Chris, you know, you're the one out on the streets selling the beer. That came, trash. Out, that came out a little weird, <laughs> but <laughs> you know. But so you're you're out there, and you're you know going in and doing tastings with different people. Is there an appreciation for that clarity or are people kind of still No, I want it I want it hazy, I want a fruited goza, I want mystery style. Yeah, I
0: mean it, it you know walking into this job back in January, you know, I've, I've been around this brewery since they opened up and it is incredible to me that this brewery has stayed relevant and growing at an exponential rate selling clear IPA and kolsch. That is a uh, mindfuck in 2019. Like, that is not where breweries are going. You have Treehouse that did 50,000 barrels last year in only hazy beer, and they only sold it out of the brewery. But that's kind of an anomaly, right? Mm-hmm. Sure, there are going to be bars that are turning towards some of these newer breweries in this area or even outside this area. I mean, even the big boys like New Belgium and Sierra Nevada have tried, and, and Sam Adams have tried their, their hand at a shelf stable hazy IPA. There is a market for that, but generally it's people the market for that is people that look like me and drink like me and stand in line for four packs. But that, that, that percentage is so small of the beer market.
1: And for those of you who have never had the pleasure of meeting Chris, (laughs) he's tall, he's white. He has a beard. Tattoos? No, but a gut for
0: sure. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, it it is incredible. I mean, I, I, you know, being on this podcast before, I used to work for Avery and, you know, the amount of beer we sell in this area is incredibly higher than what... I mean, different different strokes because it's a local brewery versus a national brewery, but the amount of Howling Gale we sell on a daily basis in the market and in this tap room is ungodly. I thought the numbers were wrong when I first ran them. <laughs> I thought I did it wrong. I was like, you can't be selling this much. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, we sell that much. I'm like, and, you know... it's slow season, Chris. Yeah, this it's is right. January. It's wait until we hit it's July. It's I'm like, uh-oh. Um, you know, and... It, Kolsch is interesting. I've, I've always drank his Kolsch, whether it be a Mad Fox or here. I've been drinking it for probably 10, you no, know, at least 10 years now. Almost 10. And, almost 10. And you walk into a place and people are like, what, what the hell is Kolsch? And I'm like, I'm going to show you what Kolsch is. And it resonates. It is a low alcohol, clean beer. It ta- it's clean on the back end. And it sells like crazy. It is a quintessential stepping stone beer from a bud light drinker to craft beer and i will die on that hill like oh
1: yeah gateway drug 100
2: absolutely I always
1: uh, church key always schlafly kolsch that was the easiest yep. all right so let's do a little quick lesson here would one of you care to give a little kolsch is elevator pitch
2: here <laughs> kolsch is um kolsch is a german golden ale originates in uh from cologne germany um my old boss uh uh, Bill Madden, uh, brewmaster at Mad Fox, he told me that um, the saying is you could never brew a, a true Kolsch outside the shadow of the Dome Cathedral. So he always had a little statue of the Dome Cathedral in his brewery. We have one on top of our um, our bookcase in the in the brewery. Um, it's a, it's a very distinct beer um, in the sense that when people talk about green apple in a beer that usually means that there's an immaturity factor to the beer it's uh, young um, this in this case, green apple or that hint of that little hint of green apple in there is um, it's very indicative of what the yeast is doing. Where the beer is the the stepping stone or the gateway beer is it, ferments and conditions like a lager it's a bit cooler fermentation a um, little cooler than our standard ales uh, and then also takes a little extra time and conditioning like uh, more so than our standard ales but not as long as our lagers so it's a little bit of that in between beer and, but, but
1: it's a Yale, ale yeast it is an ale so you yeast get those fruity esters. it
2: is technically an ale yeast yeah the fruity esters do pop through Hence the, that, that little apple character that's in there. Um, when, you've, when you've got 90, 120 barrels of that stuff roaring in the, in the brewery during a the fermentation, the um, sulfur ester that's kicked off, is not very pleasant so the brewery smells like farts for you know 10 days or so ah but uh, from
1: a good fart a kolsch is born
2: yeah <laughs> like right new, right that's your new t-shirt that's the new t-shirt uh, yeah speaking of our kolsch t-shirts are our, our enjoy kolsch i'm our, obsessed our, our,
1: with these t-shirts our to, uh,
2: the, the classic uh, coca-cola t-shirt um, yeah it's a it's a big seller that we've got going on um, the blue ones if you see the blue one those are staff only coal shirts, the uh, gray ones. We sell those here at the tap room. But too, its it is it, it it is one of those beers that when um, you know Bill was one of the Bill Madden was one of those pioneers of introducing that beer because he was seeking out something that was sort of that gateway. How do I take you Miller like guy and get you in here to try porters and American pale ales and all of those things? And um, that was that was the uh, the the eye opener to all craft. Breweries to go ah a little less time than than a lager a little less time um, than you know your your sort of standard macro corn esque rice esque uh, uh, lager but some of the same properties and something that somebody can associate with to go well you know I'm here with stupid he likes porters and IPAs and it's well here try this and oh I do like craft beer and then you just sort of break down those walls of. Let's try something else now. Yeah. Let's get into something else.
1: Well, it's so much fun to... I mean, you can't alienate people, you know? Right. If someone can't walk into your bar and be like, I only drink Bud Light. And, you you know, you can't look at them and be like, gross, get out because right. they're a paying customer. Right. So you need to say, oh, you only like Bud Light. We don't have Bud Light, but...
2: We have something we have comparable something, here.
1: We have something that will be, you know, similar flavor profile, but a little... A little different
2: a, l- a little more robust a little a, a little more body a little more flavor a little more passion um you get to see the guys making it you get to see the people that package it you get to see it come out of those faucets and go all right that was made right here or you know that I know where that was packaged from. I know those guys that, that did that. You know, if you're out in market and you see that, you can you can associate something versus well, I saw the ad during the Super Bowl, so now <laughs> I'm drinking, I'm, I'm drinking, drinking Coors this. versus Bud because they had a cooler commercial that time.
1: Yeah. Now, something that I want to touch on before we sign off here is the brewery itself. Um, you know, something that I harp on on this show is experience. And the way that people feel when they go into a brewery, you know, there are over seven what seventy four hundred breweries right now, craft breweries yeah, in, in the U.S. and growing. Eight thousand
0: by the end of the year,
1: yeah, eight thousand by the end of the year for sure. Uh, you can't just show up and make good beer. Everyone's making good beer for the most part. Um, so, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> you can get it. You can get a decent beer just about anywhere. However. Sure. Um, You can't come into a place and feel respected and feel welcome. That isn't as prevalent. Everything's clean, everything's organized, you feel like you're being taken care of. I think you all do a really good job of that here. Um, And I think for listeners who haven't, who haven't been to Fairwinds, you know, everyone's welcome. I love to come here because you get such a huge you know, breath of people. They're yeah, babies. Yeah. They're old people. There are <laughs> so many dogs. too. There's so, so many yeah. do- Wait, explain it. Not See, not dogs. Explain. You have a, you have a wall. It's like dogs of fair winds. We're,
2: we're all dog owners. Uh, the majority of us are dog owners. And, uh, the, those that don't own dogs are dog lovers. And, um, we're, we're huge with the canine community. Um, it's, uh, it's just something that dogs it, love you. Right. Yeah. They do. They well, do. We have, we have, um, we have dozens of water bowls around for all the all the pooches. We make sure that we uh, we we keep them um, hydrated as their their parents, owners, whatever you want to call them, are are, are getting hydrated here or dehydrated, <laughs> however you want to look at it. But um, yeah, we're we're big on dogs in here, and you know that that comes to also the the time and effort that we take in cleanliness here is if we're going to let these animals in, we've got to come back through, and so. I'm a, I'm a big uh, believer in cleanliness is godliness, and I think a lot of people comment on how clean our brewery is for the volume of beer that we're producing here. It's usually you make how much, and your brewery looks like that. And you know, I, I got into brewing with my dad where it was it, as long as you stay clean, as long as you clean up before and after, and you're taking care of everything by being mm-hmm. clean and sanitary, you can't go wrong. You yeah. can't go wrong. Because you get to something where the finished product you don't like it well you did the wrong recipe you didn't you know you didn't brew the way you wanted to it wasn't because the beer is contaminated so we clean our tap room after all of our dogs uh, come through <laughs> religiously we clean our brewery religiously and, and it's um it's pleasing aesthetically you know to the eye it's yeah. it's, it's pleasing that it's just like having clean clear beer um yeah. you know it all goes hand in hand we're all sort of lockstep and all of that
1: No, it's wonderful. Well, definitely check out Fairwinds if ever you're in the area. You can get Fairwinds everywhere. uh, Yeah, yeah, Fairwinds is all
2: through the state of Virginia and uh, D.C. Soon to be Maryland. Soon to be Maryland. And we also, uh, you know, at Nats Park, I believe we're 125. Yeah, section 124 is a craft card. It's us, Atlas, three stars,
0: and right proper, maybe? I think so. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're in the, yeah, I think it's 124 right there. I think they're running uh, High Barbary, which is our Vienna Lager, but they'll do Kolsch and they'll do um, Hollingdale IPA as well.
2: Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Come see our clear beer. <laughs> <laughs> see
1: our beer. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs>